Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by AT&T, I'm Dan Pramack. On today's show, the new wave of techies running for public office, and Trump's former national economic advisor makes a very questionable claim about Facebook. But first, the trouble with drones. Now, okay, there are lots of potential troubles with drones, but most of the ones we commonly think of are pretty pedestrian. For example, we don't want them buzzing over our homes, particularly if they have cameras on them. And the idea of thousands of these things flying through a city street delivering packages is aesthetically miserable. But as we learned this past weekend, drones can be used for much more than annoying people or even for productive things like remotely analyzing crops. No, more specifically, they can be used in relatively unsophisticated assassination attempts. Or at least that's what seemed to happen on Saturday night when controversial Venezuelan president Nicolas Maduro was addressing the country's National Guard. It was believed to be the first time that a drone has ever been weaponized outside of a war zone where, yeah, they have become commonplace. And even though Maduro survived, the incident could inspire others to be, let's say, more effective next time. In other words, Terrorists have a dangerous new tool that can be bought almost anywhere. You can get drones online. You can even get them at my local convenience store. So the attack itself in Venezuela is unlikely to stop the spread of drones, but it hopefully will get governments to move faster on possible safety solutions, such as something called remote identification technology. And yeah, that includes the U.S. government, where the FAA was supposed to propose remote ID rules by the end of the year, but then it delayed until early 2019. The Venezuela attack could and should increase the urgency. In 30 seconds, we'll go deeper on what happened in Venezuela with Axios World Editor Dave Lawler. But first, this from AT&T. Here's one big thing you need to know. Each year, over 2 million jobs go unfilled in this country. That's a big number. And the reason why is simple. There just aren't enough qualified candidates. AT&T is doing something about this with their Aspire program. Since 2008, Aspire has invested $450 million into education programs that help millions of students at home and around the world. Specialized programs, mentoring, investment, and resources bring opportunity to millions of kids who need it most. Stick around, and we'll tell you the way Aspire works. We're joined by Dave Lawler, world editor at Axios, who has been writing about the situation in Venezuela. So, Dave, let's start here with the big question. Do we know who loaded this drone up full of explosives and tried to kill Maduro? We do not. Maduro's government says that it was a right-wing plot hatched by Colombia and elements U.S. There's no evidence for that. There's also no evidence for theory that some opponents of Maduro's have put out that he actually planned this himself to justify further crackdowns there. You'll know the political situation there is pretty shaky, but there's no evidence for either of those theories so that there's plenty other speculation flying around as well. Let me ask about the justification of a crackdown for dissent, this idea that Maduro basically tried to fake assassinate himself. Does that concept hold water with you or no? Not particularly given that we saw soldiers fleeing. He was addressing the country's National Guard. We saw soldiers fleeing. We saw people on stage with him panicking. If you were planning a visual ahead of a kind of show of strength, I don't think that's the way you would do it. Is the best working theory right now this could have been elements within his military, or, or is there door number four, I guess? There may be a door number four. For As far as door number three, this is what we've been watching for a while. People say if Maduro is going to be taken down, a plot would most likely be hatched within the military. That There's a history of that, obviously, in Latin America and even in Venezuela. It's very difficult to form a large-scale 
conspiracy in Venezuela because there's so much suspicion and there are these purges all the time of people in the military. But that's why a drone attack in that situation might actually make some sense. You don't need a whole bunch of people to organize the flights of two drones toward an election rally. So that theory seems to me to be plausible. And I don't really know what's behind door number four. So that's the best case that I've heard so far. And just to be specific, and we heard audio a little bit earlier from there's this video floating around as quickly as you can. What actually happened there? So drones started flying towards them and exploded. Is that the gist of it? So we now have cell phone video of two drones. They're these six rotor drones. One of them explodes overhead, and that is what caused the pandemonium. It was quite a loud explosion. And then we got video of another drone that fell from the sky. The Venezuelan military, I think, has said that they disabled it. It's not clear if that's the case or if it just failed, but it fell from the Guy. I think it caused a fire on the ground, but it didn't actually detonate. Dave, over the weekend, you did a deep dive for Axios on kind of global security threats and threats in the U.S. And I just want to read something you wrote. You wrote, quote, the risk of the next 9-11 has been sufficiently reduced, but since 2001, it has become cheaper, faster and easier to carry out the types of attacks that continue to plague cities around the world. Is it fair to say would drone attacks potentially be part of that, the faster, cheaper, easier? Yeah, I mean, something I hadn't even considered, but we've seen vehicles used, right? Terrorists using vehicles, running over people on sidewalks or on crowded streets. And now drones are another possibility. Like you said, they're quite inexpensive. They can be obtained easily. You don't need the type of permitting that you would to get a gun, for example. So yeah, this might be another possibility that we have to worry about. And I'm thinking, you know, when you think about assassination attempts, so go back, whatever, you know, 60 years ago to the Kennedy assassination, you know, it used to be a president would drive around in an open car and then they stopped doing that. And every time there's some sort sort of attack. There's some new security measure. I don't know quite what you do about drones. Do you stop giving a speech outside, essentially? Do politicians just stop talking outside? Yeah, what they did do was take out these kind of protective mats and put them around Maduro and escort him off stage. I think that's not necessarily plan A. I don't really know. I'm sure the Secret Service has considered this. They go through all sorts of scenarios. If you're going to give speeches like you would State of the Union, or sorry, not State of the Union, inaugural address, out on the Capitol, those skies are pretty closely monitored, but there are going to be open air speeches. And uh, think about Iowa campaign places that I've been to. Yeah, you're, you're going to be outside and you're going to be in crowds of people and, and uh, you're not always going to be able to contain the airspace all around you. I like the idea of an outdoor State of the Union. I think they should adopt that drones or no drones because that would be kind of cool. I want to thank Dave Lawler from Axios World for joining us. My final two about techies on the ballot and what Gary Cohn said about Facebook in 30 seconds. Aspire supports organizations that make a real difference in kids' lives through mentoring and innovation and education. AT&T employees have invested more than 2 million hours of their personal time mentoring more than 260,000 students around the world through online mentoring and also in their own communities where they live and work. It matters because studies show that students who participate in online mentoring outperform their peers both emotionally and academically. AT&T is committed to preparing today's students for the jobs of tomorrow and creating opportunities for the next generation. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is that a group of tech industry executives will be on ballots this fall, as first reported this morning at Axios by Kim Hart and Kia Kokliacheva. So, for example, Brian McClendon, who's a former Uber and Google executive, is running for Kansas Secretary of State. And then there's Sunil Gupta, who was a Groupon executive who also founded a couple startups, and he's running for Congress in Michigan's 11th district. Now, all of this is actually relatively unusual because techies usually believe that it's tech, not legislation, that can best 
affect change. But that was before President Trump's election, which created a sort of political awakening in tech that prompted these folks to run. And don't be surprised to see a bunch of them win. Although to do so, they will need to connect with voters on bread and butter issues far beyond tech stalwarts like STEM education and broadband access. And finally, Gary Cohn, Trump's former national economic advisor and the former president of Goldman Sachs, who on Saturday made some, uh, let's call them debatable comments during a fundraiser in the Hamptons. According to Bloomberg, he said, and I quote, it's very interesting how the world turns. In 2008, Facebook was one of those companies that was a big platform to criticize banks. They were very out front in criticizing banks for not being responsible citizens. I think the banks were more responsible citizens in 08 than some of the social media companies are today, end quote. Now, to be clear, social media does indeed have a ton of power, both in the US and all over the world, and it hasn't always used it responsibly. But at the same time, I also don't remember Facebook or Twitter plunging the company into a recession that literally had people rushing out to ATM machines on a Monday because they feared their money wouldn't be there on a Tuesday and feared it with pretty good reason. So not even a decade of water under the bridge can kind of erase the memory of that rancid flood, even if that's what Cohen hopes happens. And we're done. Big thanks for listening, whether on Apple, Radio.com, or other podcast platforms. And also thanks to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers. Be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my pro rata newsletter at signup.axios.com. Have a great National Lighthouse Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another pro rata podcast.